Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy, Literacy Podcast. We are so excited because today we are talking about writing, a topic we love to talk about, but specifically we're talking about the painted essay. You might be wondering, what is the painted essay and how is it used in writing? We're going to answer all of those amazing questions and more today. Right, Melissa? Absolutely, yes. And we have Diana Letty here today from the Vermont Writing Collaborative, who's been on before. So you may have heard her. Um, And she is at heart a teacher, but also author of Writing for Understanding, or one of the authors, I should say. Um, And as Lori mentioned, we're going to talk to Diana today all about the painted essay, which is a specific tool to teach writing that at most teachers could really use in their classroom. So this could be a benefit for almost everybody out there. So welcome, yeah. Diana. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Thank you for being here. We're so glad you are. I said I could listen to you talk about writing all day long. So I'm very glad that you are here with us again. But I'm hoping that before we start, you could share a little bit about yourself. And I'm really curious about how you came to be a teacher. Oh, what an interesting question. (laughs) Um, So as Melissa said, I always think of myself as at heart a teacher, um, even though I've now doing consulting and have done a bunch of other very interesting things. Um, I came to be a teacher because when I was in high school, um, I had an opportunity to participate in a peer tutoring program. Um, there were students with special needs um, in my school. At that time, students with special needs were segregated in separate classrooms, and they were looking to set up peer tutoring relationships to help students learn how to read. And to make a long story short, I accidentally taught someone how to read. (laughs) And it was the most amazing feeling I had ever had at 14 years old. Um, And I was hooked ever since. Um, The special ed teacher in the school um, noticed and invited me to come and volunteer in her classroom. Um, I was a freshman then. By the time I was a senior, I was volunteering 20 hours a week in her classroom. I had my own reading group that I was allowed to plan for and teach. And I was just in heaven. And so went to school to become actually a high school special ed teacher and wound up being a regular ed elementary teacher. Not really sure how that (laughs) happened. but And did that for for more than 20 years. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that story with us. (laughs) I always think it's so interesting about how we all got here. (laughs) It's true. So I'd love for us to start to jump right in actually with the painted essay and talk about it as a tool for writing. So I think the most important questions that we can start off with today are what is the painted essay and how is it used in writing? So just frame it for us, Diana. Yeah, it's a little hard to frame, I realized, on a podcast, right? Because you don't have a picture to look at. Um, and hopefully people can, can you know, get on, on the web and take a look at it and it will make a lot more sense. But basically, the painted essay is a tool um, for teaching the components of expository writing um, that uses color 
and it, it the color helps students to internalize both the main components of writing as well as the relationship between them. And it's used um, in a classroom to for all sorts of writing, all sorts of expository writing, opinion writing, argument writing, informative, explanatory, um, used grade levels three and up, three through 12. Um, and we found that it's a, a pretty powerful tool. Um, interesting way that it it came about. Um, I was a classroom teacher and I had recently moved from kindergarten to fifth grade. Have either of you ever been a kindergarten teacher? No, but I kind of want to now. I have not taught (laughs) kindergarten, Diana. (laughs) Anyone who's ever been a kindergarten teacher knows that it is absolutely the best professional development anyone could ever have. Kindergarten teachers really need to know their stuff. You really need to understand learning. You really need to understand children and things change minute to minute. (laughs) They never go the way you planned. And so in this particular year, I had been a kindergarten teacher and I was moving up to teach fifth grade. I taught fifth grade years before. And I made a vow to myself that I would take all of the things I learned while being a kindergarten teacher and bring them with me when I moved into fifth grade. And so at that time, um, Vermont had a, a very interesting system, actually. We were trying to replace the statewide writing tests with portfolios of actual classroom work. And this was a huge project that involved calibrating, you know, a bunch of teachers to score. um, And all fifth grade teachers needed to literally mail in portfolios of your students writing portfolios to be scored every year. And so being new to fifth grade, this was a new requirement for me. And and I was very, very nervous when I was getting the portfolios together. There were certain um, genre of writing that were required. There were seven genre at that time. And I got to the one that they called response to text. And I honestly didn't know what it was. At that time, we didn't have models. We didn't have samples. We had a rubric, but it was very general. I was having trouble making it out. And so I wanted my students to have this piece. I needed my students to have this piece in their portfolio, and I couldn't figure out what it was. Um, so I went downstairs to to my colleague, Joey Hawkins, who was teaching eighth grade in the same school. And I said, Joey, can you help me understand this? I, I just can't visualize it. I'm reading the descriptors. What what does it look like? What does this kind of a piece of writing look like? And she said, well, you know, it looks sort of like those pieces that you were asked to write in college when you were reviewing literature. Now, as a fifth grade teacher, this was not at all reassuring to me <laughs> that I was supposed to teach my my fifth graders, um, you know, a piece that I knew I struggled to write in college. And so I, I asked her for some resources and I thought about it and I went in and I, I taught and I, I thought I had done a pretty good job teaching it. And I got the pieces back and they were awful. Oh, no. They just, it was terrible. They really, kids really hadn't understood um, their purpose, what they were trying to do. They had no idea how to do it. it the pieces were random. 
tried again. I went, you know, and at that point we didn't have online resources, but I asked around. I got some other resources and tried several things. And finally, in desperation one night, sitting at my kitchen table, huge stack of papers, and they were once again very far from the mark, very far from what I wanted them to be. Um, And I was getting very depressed. And so I just had to take a deep breath. And I said, now, if you were a kindergarten teacher, how would you teach this? Remembering that I wanted to bring what I had learned about kindergarten back into fifth grade. And I thought, you know, I think I would teach this at my painting center. Mm. And I think I would teach this with color. Um, And after a while, came up with an idea um, that involved color coding each of the parts of a basic essay um, in a way that I hoped students would remember them, but more important, in a way that would show the relationship between the parts, would show how the relationship between the content and the form and the relationship between the different parts of the form. And I brought it into my classroom and I tried it. The kids loved getting out the paints and, and <laughs> thought it was very odd that we were using paints um, during writing period. And I can't say that the pieces were amazing or brilliant at that point. Much, much later, I got better at it, but they were remarkably better. Um, and so I knew I was on to something. Um, and then since then, um, you know, I shared it with some teachers at my school who shared it with some other people. And soon people were asking about it, you know, asking me to come to their school in Vermont. And then, you know, I'm, we've done professional development this on this now in, in 21 different states. Um, so it's something that um, I feel, you know, very honored that other teachers have found useful as well. I love this so much. Big I fan know. of color coding over here. Big fan. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> so I was actually wondering about, Diane, I know it's so much easier to just see it, but I'm wondering if we can actually talk about the colors and like what your thoughts were behind the different colors. I'll, I'll give it a try. Yeah. Um, I hope people have good powers of visualization. We can help you out. Um, yeah, we have it, we have it in front you. of us I would, right I now. would appreciate that. I and would we appreciate will, that. Diana, thank we will you. also <laughs> link it in our show notes and in our that. newsletter. So... Anyone who Great. wants to access yep. it, and I, I, we obviously have the Vermont Writing Collaborative, you know, website <laughs> painted essay. Yeah. For anyone that's driving in their it's car, fantastic. I want to give them like a yes. taste of what these colors. <laughs> what are these colors? <laughs> and and this is great because it's it's actually a really good example. You'll see how hard it is for me to describe right. it. Um, and usually when people look at it, it's like, oh, pretty instantly yeah. and easily apparent. <laughs> so that that's one of the one of the the proofs to me of of the power of presenting it in that mode. Um, But imagine um, a four paragraph essay. Um, The concepts behind it are, are very familiar to most people. They're the same ones that you learned when you learned a five paragraph essay or you learned, you know, to do uh, a response to text in, in college. Um, And those are just big ideas about expository writing that still hold. They, They still help people to communicate their ideas really effectively. So the first, imagine four paragraphs. It's a four paragraph essay that I start with. Um, the first one is an introduction. There are two body paragraphs and then there's a conclusion. And then each of the paragraphs, I, as I explained it to, to students, has a special name 
and a special job. Those are the words I use with younger students. If you're working with high school students, um, you know, you can use the word function instead. Same basic idea. Um, and that the colors will help us remember what the name and the job is of each paragraph. So the introduction um, is painted red, the context of the introduction, because Red is a catchy color, and one of the things you need to remember to do when you're writing an introduction is to catch your reader's attention. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of that introduction is a really important part, probably the most important part um, of the painted essay, and that's the green focus or thesis statement, depending on your grade level. You might call it one or the other. Um, and the main idea is that that green focus statement is supported by a yellow and a blue body paragraph because when you combine yellow and blue, it makes green. Um, and so the information that you present in your body paragraphs combines together to create a strong green focus. Um, and then the conclusion is also green. Um, but the conclusion is a different shade of green. So the conclusion is green because you need to restate your focus in your conclusion. We've all been taught, very important, <clears throat> to remind the reader of what, what you have just said. But you also need to offer some, some reflection, um, some of your own thinking on the importance or significance of what you found, some sort of synthesis. Um, so what we usually do when we're actually painting, which is one of the most fun parts, is that we have st students combine yellow and blue for their yellow and blue body paragraphs in a mixing tray and look at what they get. And what you wind up with is a different shade of green all over the classroom. We look around and we notice that everybody has made their own green. And that helps to remind students that in their conclusion, they need to apply their own thinking um, to the information that they found. Um, and that's reflected in their unique color of green in the conclusion. So that's my best shot. I hope that made some kind of sense without the pictures. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to just do a, qu a quick overview. So it's just to kind of recap and bring it together. We've got our red introduction. Right. It's catchy. Within that red introduction, there's a, a green thesis and it's maybe a lighter shade of green. And in that thesis, there's two points and one point would be yellow and one point would be blue. Then there's a proof paragraph one and that would be yellow to align with your thesis and then proof paragraph two, that would be blue to align with your thesis. But what I think is really special is there's a little tie-dye of yellow involved in there in the beginning of it that is our transition. <laughs> and then the conclusion paragraph, which is the final and fourth paragraph, is a richer shade of green. And uh, that's where we would restate our thesis. And I, I love the question you have there. So what? Reflect. Yeah. And it, the colors are really, really powerful. I would, I would love to say that I looked up a bunch of research and figured out that colors were a great way to teach something like this. That did not happen. <laughs> um, you know, as I said, I just stumbled on it. But once, once we saw it working, I became very curious as to why the colors worked so well. 
And I did unearth a lot of research on that. Um, there's some research on something that's called um, perceptual motor grounding, which basically says that when you are learning new concepts, they are more easily internalized and understood if they are rooted in a concrete experience, a perceptual motor experience. So the idea of painting um, gives you this perceptual motor grounding um, and experience that helps students to be able to remember the concepts and, and bring them together. Um, and then there's also, you know, theories that we've, we've heard about before um, involving dual coding, which is basically that if you bring in information in different ways, um, students are more likely to be able to remember it. So in this case, imagine the activity where you introduce it, you have a motor aspect where you're painting, you are hearing the teacher explain um, as she's giving you directions or he's giving you directions to paint. Um, and then so there's a verbal component and then you also have the color as well, the visual component. So there are lots of ways that that really helps students, particularly students. It's also a non-linguistic um, conceptualization, which means that it's very, very powerful for multilingual learners. Um, it's very powerful for some neurologically diverse students. Um, you know, it's, it's non-linear and it's also non-linguistic. So it allows people to access it in a lot of different ways. I was actually going to ask this about that because, um, you know, I've seen a lot of different acronyms for structuring, trying to structure writing or get kids to, you know, include different parts of writing. This feels very different to me. And I think you just hit on one of those reasons. And I, I don't, when you were, when I was looking at, I was looking at the visual as you were explaining it. <laughs> um, but there's also just a sense of like, you know, the, the colors are flowing into each other. There's a little bit of, I don't want to say messiness, but that's kind of what I'm feeling right now. You know, it's not perfect. It's not like, uh, I don't, here's, here's number one. And this is exactly what you have to have in here. This is number two. This is exactly what you have to have in here. It's more like, this is the idea, but like they might flow together. It might be a little bit different. Um, I don't know. Is there any thought to that? Oh, that's exactly, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head um, as to why it works so well. Um, it, it is, um, acronyms have an order, right? If you mess up your initials, you don't wind up with the right word that helps students remember things. Um, colors don't have an order. And that's really, really important because the painted essay is a vehicle for teaching concepts. So the colors represent a concept. And the painted essay represents an integrated way to remember those concepts and to understand those concepts. Um, and the color allows you to do that. Um, so it allows you to be flexible. You begin, obviously, by teaching something very regular. We've got four paragraphs. Here are the colors of the paragraph. Um, we're going to write some pieces like this. Very soon, if you're teaching it correctly, um, those colors and that form transfers into basic concepts of writing. 
Um, and students learn that they can have two yellow paragraphs and two blue paragraphs. They can go yellow, blue, yellow, blue. Um, they can put their thesis statement in a different place. Um, they can, you know, move things around. Um, they can put their blue paragraph first and their yellow paragraph second. So the idea is that you're really creating conceptual building blocks that can be taken apart and put together in lots of different ways, depending on what students have to say, what people have to say. Yeah. And even when you're saying that, I can imagine like when you're moving the colors around, I can, I can picture that in my head as you're saying it. Whereas if it was an acronym and I had to change, you know, the letter, I don't, I'm making up letters, but the, the B to the L position, like I can't even make sense of that in my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's so much fun, Melissa, when you show it to students. Um, you know, usually I wait until I see someone start to do it, and then I use that as an example. Um, but I actually take um, the blocks of color. We sit on the rug together, and I take the blocks of color, and I have a few copies of, of each of the blocks. And I, you know, read the new example, and I ask students to show me with the blocks what they heard. And so let's say, for example, they show me a red introduction, two yellow paragraphs, and a blue paragraph, because there was a lot of information on the yellow. Um, and I'll say, so, so what do you think about that? Is that okay? We haven't done that before. Um, and, you know, usually they're not sure. And I'll say, well, actually, it's, it's really great when you do that. Um, it shows that you understand the ideas behind the painted essay, and you're using them to best communicate um, what you've learned. And then we play around with it. I have the different blocks of color, and, and um, I say, did you know that you could um, have a, a painted essay that starts with an introduction and then has a yellow-blue and a yellow-blue paragraph, and I make it on the ground. And they look at that, and I say, do you know you could have two yellow paragraphs and two blue paragraphs if you have a lot of information? Um, and then they start doing it in their writing and we actually do exercises where we'll put one up on the, uh, you know, on the projector and students will tell me what the colors are. They'll show me with their blocks so that they intentionally learn to flex it. Um, and I'll often say to teachers that it is perfectly reasonable to start off in a very, very regular way. It's probably mm -hmm. important to. Um, that's the way we learn very concretely. Um, but if your students aren't flexing that by the end of the year, then you probably haven't done a great job teaching it. That's the point of it. It's the point is to teach the concepts, um, not to do exactly <laughs> that, that particular form in that particular way all the time. Yeah. Diana, would you say that that's a way that it's misunderstood? Yeah, very seriously misunderstood. It, um, it's, uh, we're, you know, we've experienced a lot of interesting things. So in the beginning, um, when, you know, when we first were sharing the painted essay with people, we were mostly doing it through our own workshops, through personal contact, things like that. Um, later on, it's now, it's in a lot of curricula, published curricula, it's in the Great Minds curricula, it's in EL, um, you know, state curricula like um, Louisiana Guidebooks and, and Engage New York. So it, it's basically all over the place. And those curriculum 
all do a very good job of, of integrating the painted essay, um, but it is often being presented without the benefit of any training. Um, and so we've seen some pretty unusual things um, happening. Um, the, the most serious one is just what you said, Lori, that we see people teaching the painted essay instead of using the painted essay to teach writing concepts. Um, and so, you know, that's a really, really important misconception that it is a, a formula um, for the way that students should write. Um, the other one um, is changing up the colors. People like other colors better. <laughs> and and there, there are ways that you can do that. But often when people do that, they miss the point that the colors show the relationship between the parts. Um, and so great story. I once went into a third grade classroom um, and the teacher was, I was working with her school and went in to have a meeting with her and she's very excited. I'm so excited to meet you. We've been using this in the classroom. We use it all the time. And I looked on our back wall and there was this giant painted essay. It was about four feet tall, made out of, you know, big blocks of construction paper. Um, and I was talking to her and something just seemed a little bit off to me about it. And I couldn't really put my, my finger on it because I was busy in discussion. And, and, you know, finally I took a minute and took a look at it and the whole graphic had no thesis statement, had no focus mm -hmm. statement. And which is the point of all of the colors, right? right? If you do, the, the point is that different combinations, um, you know, go together to make the green focus. And so I asked her about it. I said, I, I see that you don't have the focus statement up there. I said, did, did it, did it fall off or something? And, and she said, oh no, that was really, really hard for my kids. So I just decided to skip it. Oh. Oh, that's very yeah. important part. It, but you know what? That's a great opportunity for support, right? For you to be there and share right. the importance oh, of sure. that one very important part. <laughs> that is the hardest part, actually, of <laughs> writing that, right? The thesis. <laughs> well, and with that, without it, they're just yes. different color paragraphs. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> And I've seen, you know, purple, well, purple would even work if you did it correctly, but orange and all sorts of other um, random colors, um, you know, and, and people really, you really lose a lot of the power then. All you're doing is is having colors help you memorize things instead of having colors help you see relationships. So I would, you know, would strongly, we're actually now... Um, the Vermont Writing Collaborative, um, of which I'm a, a member, um, is working on trying to create some training materials that will be online that will help people actually understand the reasoning behind everything. Yeah. I love what you um, just said So that said they can there. use it effectively. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, I just love what you said about, you, you said it several times already, but I'll say it again, which is that this really helps you, helps our students see the relationship between what they're putting in their writing and where they're putting it, why they're putting it, where they're putting it versus just a memorization of this goes first, second, third. Um, and I, I, that's what I love about it. And <laughs> I hope others see it too. Yeah. Um, I did have a question for you, Diana, about the different grade levels and how this can be used at different grade levels. You've talked a bit about how, you know, it can be kind of ramped up but if you have any other examples of that for like as you get into older grade levels. But then I'm also most curious about what about our students at that K2 level that probably aren't ready to write four paragraphs yet? <laughs> and is there anything those <laughs> exactly. teachers can do 
to kind of get them ready for it? Those are all really good questions. Um, I, I have used it mostly in grades three and up. Um, we've used it very successfully in grades three through 12. Um, the, the key with moving it up is just what we've talked about before, that you do need to make sure that what you're doing is teaching concepts using it. And of course, at the older grades, those students are going to flex it even more quickly. Um, and they need to understand that not only can they flex it, but they should. And that using the painted essay really is a matter of thinking about what it is you have to say um, and using the concepts that you've learned about writing to, to be able to say it. Um, the other difference in the older grades um, or as you move up through the grades is mostly in the sophistication of the content. Yeah. Um, so basic essay form is basic essay form. Um, it's you know the same ideas, same basic ideas in third grade as in college, but it looks very different in a college essay. Um, when I do work, and you'll even see it in published pieces. When I do workshops, I have a, a New York Times um, op-ed piece um, and I have people color code it and it, it's all there because those are those are just kind of tried and true <laughs> ways of making sure that we clearly communicate things and that you build your thinking, you build you build an argument. Yeah. Um, Diana, it's making me think of you know, when so, we podcasted yeah. with Natalie Wexler about the writing and uh, Judith Hockman about the writing revolution. Natalie Wexler said, you know, no matter how many times you're writing a piece, you're still going to do an outline and prepare for that piece. Like you're still going to organize exactly. what, you know, what paraphrasing what you just shared, yeah. you're still going to organize your thinking in order to write that piece. And I, I think it struck me because oftentimes we think, oh, well, that person does that every day. They're so good at it, but it's still taking these tools and effectively using them to execute that well written piece. It doesn't just come out of thin air and it I, you know, I think writing is a really, really difficult, high level thing to do. So it should be something that we need tools for that we think a lot about beforehand and organize our thoughts around. So I'm, I, you just made me think of that and had a little connection to the writing revolution. <laughs> Yeah, I love the writing revolution stuff. <laughs> um, you're you're absolutely right, though. And and what's interesting about what you said is that people who um, are comfortable with thinking in those big terms also use them for organizing their ideas and thinking in their heads as well. So one of the big powerful things about using basic essay form, um, whether it's through the painted essay or through an outline or however you use it, is that it helps you to make sense of your thinking. Um, we get in lots and lots of information that needs to be organized and synthesized, um, and students need to come to an understanding um, of that information. And what we found is that the painted essay is a really powerful tool for helping students think about content as well as communicating content because it's a very similar process. If you're thinking about how to explain um, your thinking to someone else, you've really got to go through that information and process it um, in order to do that. So students, um, you know, use it even, they use it when they're speaking, they use it um, when they're trying to come up with answers to a question, um, because it's really a, a very strong tool for helping them, um, you know, organize and understand material. Um, but getting back to your, your question, Melissa, about younger grades, 
Um, generally, I think that the painted essay works best um, at grades three and up because it's a little bit abstract and the colors add in a level of abstraction. I have seen people use it fairly effectively at grade two with some adaptations. Um, at grades K and one, we usually introduce similar concepts of writing in a lower key way, um, but don't formally use the painted essay. So does that, does that answer your question, Melissa? Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. I think it's so helpful, too, to know that from you, Diana, that there's, it, it, you know, it works better in some grades because of this reason, and we can build the foundations in the younger right. grades. I, I think that's important, too. Diana, I'm wondering, as we come to a close, is there anything that you'd like listeners to know about the painted essay? Just that um, it, it is deceptively simple. Um, and um, I would encourage people to, to, to really use, if you're using it as part of a published curriculum, to, to read and really use those resources and understand those resources, um, possibly to go on our website, um, vermontwritingcollaborative.org, and find out a little bit more about it. Um, it Teaching always goes better um, when teachers very thoroughly understand the concepts behind the tools that they're using. And that, that'll enable you as a teacher to flex it, to respond to your students, um, to do all the things that you need to do um, to use the painted essay effectively. Um, oh, and I also would like to mention we, we do have a new book out. Um, it's called Making It Work. Um, oh, we and it is <laughs> okay, <have> it right <laughs> here, Diana, so my book bin on my desk. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't as, know where mine is it. because it's probably in a box somewhere. So, so if you can't find it, I'll <laughs> so I'm getting ready to move. <laughs> um, but there is, um, I have it, it is I have a, it. a book about, it's a handbook about the writing for understanding approach. Um, the painted essay is part of a larger approach um, to teaching writing called writing for understanding. And there is a chapter in there um, on structure that includes the painted essay. And it'll also give you an idea about how you can integrate the painted essay into broader writing instruction. So um, if people are interested, that's available as well. That is awesome. When is that? It's available now, Diana. And is it like everywhere? Amazon everywhere you can. It's on Amazon okay. and it's it's cheaper on our website. So if you want to go to our website, um, you'll get the best price. But it is also available on Amazon as Excellent. well. Awesome. Well, I've, I will link the Vermont Collab, uh, Writing Collaborative's website in our show notes. So everybody can Thank head you. there. And, you know, if you prefer to pay a few bucks more on Amazon, we don't judge either. You know, that is, <laughs> we understand you might you might want it right this minute we live in. <laughs> and, and the re the resources on the painted essay are, are free um and downloadable so it, there's you know the book is there but there's you know we're a we're a non-profit organization and our mission started by a group of teachers and our mission is to support teachers um in teaching writing um and so there are a number of free resources there for awesome. teachers if they're interested Love that. For teachers, by teachers. <laughs> so good. Yep, exactly. All right, Diana, before you leave us, will you answer some fun questions for us? Oh, of <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, these are quick questions, so whatever comes to mind, don't don't think too hard about them. Um, our first question is, what do you love to read? What do I love to read? 
poetry, actually. Um, I, I just, I have huge books of poems and I read one or two before I go to bed every night. I'm reading The Wild Iris Now um, by Louise Gluck, which is a, a collection of poems that are told from the point of view of flowers. And mm-hmm. it's very, very interesting, especially where I live here in Vermont in the spring and summer. Very cool. That's so neat. I know we're not supposed to comment, but uh, well, <laughs> we try not to comment, I should say. But that sounds so uh, manageable. Like at the end of the day, it's sometimes yes. it's hard to open up yes. book and <laughs> dive in, you know, because we do a lot of reading during the day or <laughs> working during the day. But the, I love the idea of reading poetry, just like a couple poems before bed. That feels like I can do that. <laughs> that is one of the reasons why I do it. Um, it's because I, I tend to fall asleep at night when I'm reading. And uh, so poems are perfect for that. Love it. Well, Diana, what do you love to watch? Do I love to watch? I, this may sound a little strange, but my favorite thing to watch is children at play. Um, when I was a kindergarten teacher, you know, we do center time and I just sit and watch them play. Um, especially young kids have an approach to playing that is so joyful and so curious and, just so focused. Um, And I think that somewhere along the line, a lot of us lose those qualities. And it's really wonderful to see them in students and to think about in young children and to think about how we can all keep them. All right. What I don't think that's that's odd at all. Just saying. (laughs) No, it's wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And what do you love to listen to? Oh, this is a very time specific one. I love to listen to, I have a new grandson and he has just learned to laugh. He is five months old Mm. and I love to listen to him laugh Um, again, because he laughs about so many things, things that I've, things that I've forgotten are wonderful. And he reminds me. I I have a video of Elliot's first laugh and I still watch it. (laughs) It's just amazing. It really is. Big reminder for everyone. It is. Oh. What is a memory you love as a teacher or as a student? Hmm. Well, I have a, I do have a painted essay related memory that, that <laughs> I'll share. Um, I was teaching the painted essay um, in a uh, guest teaching it in a classroom in another grade in my school. Um, And I went in and, um, you know, I did the whole lesson. Um, It went fairly well. And after the lesson, it was time for the kids to go out to recess and and all of them flew out of the room, um, except for one one young man, Alford. And I'd known Alford for lots of years. He was in my school and, and Alford did not especially like to read and, and really hated writing. Um, and so I was really surprised to see him at my desk. I thought maybe he had some kind of a question or maybe was trying to get out of an assignment. I had, I told them, um, when we finished that we had introduced the painted essay and that next time when I came back, we would start to write. Um, and Alford came up to the desk and he said, Ms. Letty, can I write my essay now? And I said, Alford, it's recess time. We're going to, I'll be back next week. We'll write next week. Um, And he said, no, I really want to write it now. And I said, why do you want to write it now, Alford? And he said, I don't know. I guess I just get it. 
And that was just such a powerful experience for me to realize that all this time, you know, this this boy who we we thought just wasn't interested in written language actually wasn't interested in writing because he didn't get it. And once we explained things in a way that he could understand, he couldn't wait to write. And we sat down. He said he stayed in for his recess with me. We sat down and we wrote the piece. And it was great. It's so great. This next question might be related. This is our last question. Why do you do what you love for education or literacy? It is very much related. Um, when you say that, I, I get what happens. I see individual student faces kind of flashing flashing through my mind. Um, I, I am very passionate about teaching writing and students learning to write. And I think it's because I want to see what green they come up with when they mix the yellow and blue. I, I really care about what students have to say. And I really care that they have the tools that they need to be able to say it. Yeah. Oh, so good. You're giving them a voice. Yeah. I was just going to say, that's, you know, it's not just about putting oh. the right thing in the green and the right thing in the yellow, but it's, it's what they say that matters. It's what they say. <laughs> And being able to say it, having it in your mind and being able to share it, being able to communicate it. So very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. And I want everybody to have that power, every single child. We do yeah. too. That's why we're here. Thank more. you for being here with us. This was so amazing. And I know this was such a uh, specific topic to talk about. And that's why we thought it was so important to talk about it, not only with you, but on this podcast, because it's such a powerful tool and I think many of us can relate as teachers to color coding and helping students, you know, write with color coding. And, you know, I, I remember doing that, but I didn't, I wish I had had the painted essay at that time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's, it's been great to be here. Thank you so very much for having me and for letting me share some yeah. ideas with people. Thanks. Thanks for coming a Thank second you. time. Maybe we'll have you back again. Any time, any time. I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening, literacy lovers. We release a new podcast episode every Friday and share more resources in a newsletter on Tuesday. Sign up for our newsletter at literacypodcast.com. Each week, you'll receive important information resources, and connected content. We're excited to create a space for community discussion about our podcast. We want to connect with our listeners and support you in answering your questions. But we also realize there are a lot of other educators out there who have great advice and experience too. Let's keep learning together in our Melissa and Lori Love Literacy podcast Facebook group, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. If the content in this episode helped you, share with a fellow educator and teacher friend. Our Literacy Lover community welcomes educators at every stage of their learning journey. We're so glad you're here to learn with us. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Podcast in this episode are not necessarily the opinions of Grey Minds PBC or its employees.